At age seven, my dad had taught me how to drive our family VW stick shift rabbit, solely because I had insisted insisted that he teach me while teaching my much older sister. And by age nine, he said I was shooting his 357 like Annie Oakley. And at that point, he thought, oh man, I am going to have to keep this girl challenged, focus that energy into something positive so she doesn't get into trouble. And it wasn't long later that he approached me and he had a book in his hand, the Guinness Book of World Records, and he said, Bridge, what would you think about doing a project together? And anything I could do with my dad, I was game. He was my hero and still is, and, and I was known as his little shadow. So I said, yeah, you know. So we flipped through the pages trying to find something we could do together, and well, I didn't feel like growing the longest nails in the world, and... <laughs> We didn't feel like making the biggest pizza either, so we kept flipping, and then he landed on the flying records. Now, I knew my dad was a private pilot, um, but I'd never seen him fly. My dad and mom were raising four little girls, and he was in full-time school, so there was no money for anything extra, and I knew my grandpa had been a World War II bomber pilot, so I perked up, and he pointed to a record, and he said, well, look at this one, and it was for the youngest pilot to solo an aircraft, and it uh, currently, a, a kid had um, broken that record at 10 years old. He was a, from the U.S., but done it down in Mexico. And he turned to me and said, well, what do you think about flying? And I said, sounds good to me. <laughs> My mom did not say those words. She <laughs> was not thrilled. And um, actually, she said she was scared to death of this plan. But she you know, did her own analysis and finally gave her blessing. Now, my dad sat me down and said, now, Bridge, we are not doing this for fame or glory. We are doing this to teach you how to set a goal and achieve it. And, uh, and you know, there's going to be trials and uh, challenges and obstacles that come up, but the trick is to not let it deter you. And it, we also want to teach you how to work together with people as a team because this is going to take a lot of good people to pull off. So I said, okay. So, <laughs> so we knew we had two major challenges right up front. One was, how were we going to pay for this? And two, who was going to teach me how to fly? I was about four foot three and 60-something pounds. So first, uh, my dad found some funding from a wonderful man who said, well, I like people with get up and go, so I'm in. Next, my dad, one Sunday evening, uh, him and I went down to the local airport in Chicago and walked up to the counter. And uh, the guy behind the counter named Mike said, how may I help you? And my dad said, well, we're looking for someone kind of crazy. <laughs> and then he explained a little bit further. And he said, we're looking for someone to teach this little girl how to fly. Someone that wants to be part of breaking a world record with us. And Mike said, I think you found your man. <laughs> so, but you're going to have to get the okay from the owner. And uh, so the owner said, well, I need to make sure this is something she wants to do. And and that um, she has what it takes. So Mike, take her up. So Mike took me up on one of the windiest days in Chicago because he thought, well, if she can handle this, she can handle about anything. Well, little did Mike know that I loved roller coasters, and so I was having the time of my life, grinning ear to ear. So we came back down, and Mike said, yep, she has what it takes, I think. So, But Mike and I realized we had another huge issue. How was I going to reach the controls? Because... <laughs> From where my hands and feet ended and they began was a long distance. So, but through some brainstorming and help of some friends, we had devised some wooden put, uh, foot 
pedal extensions that easily hooked onto the rudder pedals. And with some help of some good old-fashioned phone books and cushions below and behind me, we were in business. So Mike and I flew and flew for months after that, until one day he admitted later, I was so close to just getting out of that airplane and letting you go. You were ready. I had taught you everything I knew. But we had another huge issue. We still had not figured out a way to do it legally. So... <laughs> The boy who had did it did it in Mexico. Anything that goes in Mexico. But um, we were in the U.S., you know, and we wanted to do a U.S. national record. So, you know, my dad, I remember nights that he wrote letter after letter to congressmen and aviation icons and celebrities trying to get some support to get a FAA waiver so I could do this flight, but to no avail. I did receive one letter back from Gina Yeager, the woman who flew the Voyager around the world nonstop. And she wrote me a letter of encouragement saying, don't give up. And she followed up with some phone calls, and I was later able to meet her in person. And, uh, but then one day someone ran up to us and said, hey guys, have you seen this? And it was a newspaper article of a kid that had just broken the record that I'd been working for. And, but it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Luckily, he was, I was still younger than him, um, but he had cut the time frame we were working with uh, by a considerable amount. But the great thing about him doing this is that he had shown us how to do it. Woo! And so that was pretty exciting. So it turns out that it was legal for anyone to fly a one-seater ultralight. Um, and if you're not familiar with what an ultralight is, it's basically like a lawn chair on wheels and <laughs> with a prop and engine behind you and nothing in front of you and really no instruments. There was like this little plastic thing. It never worked. And um, so, so we you know, set out to find someone that would teach me how to fly uh, this ultralight. And we found a man named Rodney, and he was wonderful. And he said, I'm, I'm game, but I uh, have to make sure it's, you know, conditions are perfect because these airplanes are really affected by wind. And so... You know, there came one day, and uh, it was perfect. My family, my all my sisters were there, my mom and dad, and, you know, we started up the engine, and Rodney said, you know, something just doesn't sound right. And my parents said, then we don't go, even if that means we miss the deadline. And uh, another day came, and my mom and I looked outside and said, you know, it seems like the perfect day to go flying. And my sweet mom had been the one running me hours each way to uh, these flying lessons. And, you know, we thought, well, we'd love to call Rodney to see if we could come up. But a fire had just wiped out all the phone lines. So the communication was impossible. And this was before cell phones. So anyways, my mom had said, well, my mom and I said, well, what the heck? We'll just drive up there. So we drove up there and we found Rodney. And he said, you know what? Today is the perfect day to do this. And I know your dad's not here um, but these three gentlemen, locals at the airport, are willing to sign their names to paper uh, as your witnesses if you do this record-breaking flight today. And uh, my mom and I talked about it and said, you know, Dad would understand. He would want us to do this. Go for it. So I got into this one-seater ultralight that I had never flown before because that was the only thing legal to do. And Rodney had put 60 pounds of lead shot in it, hopefully weighing it down enough. So... <laughs> And so I taxied out, and Rodney's walking alongside of me, and I positioned myself on the beautiful green grass airstrip that laid out before me. And Because, like, remember, it's a lawn chair on wheels. So anyways, and that was perfect. And so I sat there, though, and 
And there's a picture of that moment. And, and I'm just this little kid when I look at this picture and I'm looking at, up at him with these trusting eyes and he's bending down towards me. And I remember what he said right then. He said, now Bridge, remember you need to start with the stick down and then slowly bring it up or else this thing's going to shoot up like a rocket. So I was noted. And <laughs> so then, um, but he looked at me with eyes so serious and said, are you ready? And I remember looking at my hand on that throttle thinking, all I have to do is just push it forward and I'll be flying by myself. Everything we've worked for, right here. Push it forward, Bridge. And uh, so I sat there and I thought and looked at my hand, looked at Rodney, looked at my hand. And I took a deep breath and I said, I'm ready. And as the Chicago headlines would soon after report, report on May 11th, 1988, pint-sized pilot Bridget Ellis soared her way into the record books as the youngest pilot to solo an aircraft at nine years, nine months, and three days. Things got a little crazy after that. So um, a short while later, a news reporter woman was interviewing me, and she asked me a question, something along the lines of, did you ever think you couldn't do this because you're just so small? And I thought, that is the most ridiculous question I've ever heard. <laughs> I matter-of-factly answered her back, if you put your mind to something, you can do it. doesn't matter whether you're big or small. And to my sweet parents, I wanted to tell them, thank you for teaching me just that. I love you.